Longhorn Notebook. As I mentioned, of course, the Longhorn Notebook encompasses more than just notes about the Longhorns. It also deals with their opponents as well. And uh, when you talk uh, opponents for Texas, there's uh, uh, certainly all the excitement in the future of the SEC schedule that uh, we heard last week uh, with the renewal of the rivalry with uh, Texas A&M. But, of course, if you are talking uh, Longhorn opponents, you got the Oklahoma Sooners that you have to discuss as well. And that's why we're always pleased to be joined on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline by my counterpart, great guy, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland, who joins us. T-Row, I appreciate the time. How are you this morning? I'm doing good, Craig. How are you, my friend? I, I'm good. And 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 I, I think you'll agree with me on this, that, you know, whenever you have me on your program, your producer bumps back with uh, Texas Fight which I always say I'm right. sure makes somebody just drive off the road on the Turner Turnpike or, or something like that. And I like get that. Paul McCartney. And you get Paul McCartney. And in, in, in the reason yeah. why that, I'm trying to do a preemptive strike there and not have anybody drive off Mopac or I-35. Well, they're sitting in traffic <laughs> on 35 if we were to come back with Boomer Sooner. So I'm, I'm just trying to be proactive about this deal. Oh. That's, 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 uh, that's I, Safety first. Safety first. We do not want to cause any accidents in Austin, for sure. <laughs> I understand. No, no problem with Paul McCartney. That's uh, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, That's absolutely. Uh, I I I was curious to get your thoughts on this because, um, uh, as you know, there was quite a bit of excitement raised around the Southeastern Conference by that opponent, I always say the opponent reveal, because it isn't a true schedule without mm-hmm. scheduling dates, but they did it last week, and, and, and I hadn't seen so much hoopla around a, a football schedule that's going to come out that, that deals with a season uh, more than a year off than what we saw. Nevertheless, there was a great deal of excitement about it, and I was also a little bit um, uh, I don't know if taken aback is the right word, but eyebrows raised by the way it was presented, almost like college football playoff when they're revealing, leaving the most suspenseful part of the reveal uh, for the back, uh, the back end of it. And they start off, and they jumped right into it by showing Texas and Oklahoma are going to maintain the rivalry. And then, of course, it gets to the Texas A&M part as well. So there was a great deal of excitement, obviously, down here in the Austin area and in College yeah. Station. And you know Andrew Monaco very well and he and I talked about this last week. But I was uh, I was curious to get your thoughts on what the vibe was like there, uh, certainly in Oklahoma County uh, and in Cleveland County and the greater uh, Oklahoma City and Norman area and all around the area about the schedule, future opponent reveal as it related to the Sooners. Tremendously exciting. We did, uh, maybe you guys did something similar on the Longhorn Network. I don't know, but we did a, an hour special kind of a Manning cast, if you will, that ran uh, uh, alongside the SEC Network Reveal show. And we held it at uh, Rudy's where we do our coaches shows during the season. And myself and Teddy Lehman and Gabe Eichard, uh, Brent Venables joined us, Joe Castiglione. And the place was a fire hazard. I mean, there were so many Sooner fans that showed up. It was unbelievable. And so that was the level of anticipation and excitement, I think, after all this buildup. You know, that's part of it. It was a long time ago that we found out this was happening. Uh, after all this buildup to finally see the OU and, and, in your case, Texas logos 
alongside the SEC opponents. Uh, which ones were coming to Norman? What are the road trips that Oklahoma fans can look forward to in 2024? It was a tremendous anticipation. And we were told that the format of the show was going to be that they would unveil the schedules in an alphabetical order. And so we were, you know, Oklahoma Falls 11th of 16 teams in alphabetical order in the SEC. We thought we had a while to sit back and and, uh, chop it up. And lo and behold, like you said, I think three minutes into the show, bam, there's the OU opponents. And uh, it was fun. It's exciting, man. It's going to be, listen, it's going to be tough. We all know that, but this is what, this is what you want. I think this is Oklahoma and Texas fans do not agree about much, but I do think they agree that they feel that they belong at the highest tier of college football. And this is it. The Southeast conference is, is the creme de la creme. And uh, it is tremendously exciting to see what uh, the future is going to look like a small glimpse but, man, Alabama coming to town, Tennessee coming to town, the road trips to uh, LSU and Ole Miss and Auburn, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, uh, the, you know, tell me the other thing that when the, when it first came out, uh, you know, folks examined it and said, well, you know, Texas has to play th- uh, their, their three historically biggest rivals away from Austin uh, in that they have to go to Fayetteville to play Arkansas. They, uh, Texas A&M was very, very adamant. They wanted that first uh, matchup in the renewal of the rivalry to be in College Station, and it is. And then, of course, the Oklahoma game is in Dallas, as it should be, and I think we're all in agreement on all of that. But then I guess they were probably, I think uh, Longhorn fans were probably then sated a little bit by the fact that they get Florida and Georgia at home. And, and so it was like, okay, it beefs up the schedule. And this is not, and you and I are on the same page on this, I know, because we have great friends all around the Big 12 Conference. This is not to downgrade any team, any opponent, home or road, in the Big 12. But if we're being real, uh, and you say you've got Florida and Georgia at home instead of whatever, Kansas and Iowa State or, or two other teams or whatever, that, that, that kind of thing, there's going to be a buzz if for no other reason because those opponents haven't been here. And so, and, and, I'm, and I got to thinking about you and I thought, you know, Alabama at home, and, and of course you had the recent series with Tennessee, but still to get Tennessee uh, at home and, uh, and, and have Alabama at home and to know uh, you've got some challenging road trips and going to Baton Rouge and going to Auburn uh, as well. I mean, those are, those are the kinds of things, I think, that do really feed the fan hype and the fan buzz, isn't it? Yeah, sure. And that's, you know, in large part what this is about. My apologies. Somebody just rang my doorbell. So the dogs are going <laughs> all right. You know, that's in large part what this is about. Uh, why Chris Del Conte and Joe Castiglione and, and the university presidents wanted to make this move was because of the uh, uh, excitement in the fan base to try to generate that excitement and the ticket sales. And, you know, at the very minimum, it's different. And we see a, a partial amount of that this year. I'm excited about this one final year in the Big 12, some of the new teams that we'll see and new places that we'll go. And so at the, at the very least, it's different. Um, but I think anybody associated with college football can look at it honestly and say, 
well, that is a more prestigious slate than you played year in and year out in the Big 12 Conference, and, and fans get excited about that. I think the initial reaction of OU fans was a little bit of disappointment in the fact that they only got the three home games. Uh, obviously, when they decided on an eight-game SEC schedule, then one of us was only going to get three home games. I think that probably it was going to be Oklahoma because of how the home and away breaks in the OU Texas game. But that initial uh, view that they only got the three home games was slightly disappointing. However, the three home games they got were, you know, Alabama, Josh Heifel coming back with Tennessee, (laughs) which will be an incredible storyline. And Shane Beamer is the head coach at South Carolina. So, three big-time storylines and matchups. And then I think anywhere that shows up on that road schedule, especially the first trip through this conference, is going to be really exciting for fans, broadcasters, players, coaches, everything. New stadiums, new towns, new places to eat, everything that goes in, tailgating spots, everything that goes into making, traveling to see the Longhorns and the Sooners fun. But for one of them to be Death Valley is, you know, is, is really special. You know, that's, that might be the number one road destination I'm most looking forward to experiencing in the SEC. Uh, the Grove in Oxford, legendary. Never had the opportunity to be there. So uh, Auburn's going to be fun, too. We've been to Missouri a few times, but it'll be fun to see Faroe Field again. So it's all exciting, you know. I mean, you do because of the way the schedule has broken it, you know, by the time the TCU or the Iowa state or the, even the bedlam game rolls around, everybody's fired up about it. And it means a lot. But when you say this, when you see the same teams over and over and over again for decades, the change is exciting. And you combine that with the caliber of competition that we're going to see in the sec. It makes it ultra Exciting. That's going to be tough, Craig. It's going to be tough, but that's that's what you want. Visiting with Toby Rowland, Oklahoma Sooners play-by-play voice here on Light the Tower on the Horn, talking about that 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 Sooner twenty twenty four conference schedule in the SEC. Since there was so much hype and excitement about the schedule release last week, um, I, I, I was kind of curious uh, that uh, in looking at a couple of things on two of those road games, uh, away games that you talked about. Uh, one, uh, LSU, that uh, LSU leads the all-time series, if you want to call it, 2-1, to one, but it's the first time that the, the two will meet on either school's campus. It's always been in bowl games or that national right. championship uh, game as well. And then the Auburn game, both, you've only, there's only been two games between the two. Oklahoma's won in both, and they've both been right. in the Sugar Bowl. The Jack Mildren year in 71, and, the, and then uh, in 2016, I know you re- recall very well, uh, with a 35-19 Oklahoma win uh, there in the Sugar Bowl. So I mean, there's some unique things that are coming out of this yeah. when you look even at the series for these teams. Yeah, that was uh, turned out. We didn't know it at the time that 2016 Sugar Bowl was the final game uh, of the Bob Stoops era. He retired shortly after that. Now he came back, obviously, to coach the Alamo Bowl last year after uh, Lincoln Riley split town. But um, that'll be fun. Neither one of us have uh, Auburn or Oklahoma have been to each other's campus. Uh, LSU uh, is a stinging memory right now for Sooner fans, most recently the 2019 Peach Bowl 
uh, Joe Burrow and the guys just lambasted him in Atlanta. But the only other two matchups were in New Orleans, where obviously they had kind of a home crowd advantage. Never played South Carolina anywhere. <laughs> only played Ole Miss once, and that was the Y2K game. Oh, yeah. That was New Year's Eve, 1999. It was the last game of the century. And, uh, or I guess there's an argument there, which where the century changes, but you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, that's the night that we didn't, we didn't know if we were all going to live through it or not. And, uh, Deuce McAllister and Ole Miss, uh, kicked a late field goal, 50 some yarder, I believe to beat Bob Stoops in year one of the Bob Stoops era in the independence bowl, Oklahoma hadn't been to a bowl game in forever. And they were, uh, excited out of their minds to get to the Independence Bowl. That's where the state of the program was at that time. So that's the only time OU and Ole Miss have ever played. Oklahoma and Tennessee have only played four times ever, two of them fairly recently. So that's going to be, you know, I, I, that's pretty much the case with everybody in this conference except Missouri and Texas A&M, you know. Yeah. Uh, you've run into them here or there, but not very much at all. OU and Alabama – programs they've only played six times uh, all time so it's that's part of what makes it special too no doubt about it all right uh before i let you go let me get let me get your thoughts on um on on this particular team that brent venables is getting ready for the final year in the big 12 that there was a story in the austin american statesman here yesterday where the statesman staff rated uh all 14 uh quarterbacks or, or at least the quarterback situation, which programs are the best quarterbacks, which ones they've rated, uh, you know, 1 through 14 all the way to the end. And uh, Dylan Gabriel came out number two. Number one, by the way, was not Quinn Ewers. It was uh, it was Jalen Daniels of Kansas. Um, uh, Ewers was number three. But uh, your thoughts on, on the impact that a healthy Gabriel can make with this team and the strides that Brent Venables has – sought to make with this team through the spring drills and getting ready for the fall with regard not only to his defense, but the the team in its entirety. Those newspaper guys always trying to stir up controversy <laughs> over there, aren't they? I, can, I bet your phone lines were just full of people upset about Quinn Ewers being third. Um, Oklahoma was obviously a different football team with, with Dylan Gabriel than without him last year. You saw that firsthand in our matchup in Dallas. Uh, he's going to have to be better. He was really good last year. His his stats were very good. The knock on him was they lost a lot of close games. Really, every game except the two that he missed, the, the Texas game and the TCU game got away from him. Those are the two that he missed. The other losses were all one-score games, field goal games, basically. And in all of those, there was an opportunity to win big moments, big third or fourth down conversions that needed to be made. And he couldn't come up with the big play in, at the big time, uh, whether it was a low throw or just an incompletion or an interception or whatever the case may be. The clutch factor last year wasn't really high. So he's going to have to be better in those situations. I think just the quarterback position as a whole there is a tremendously better feeling about it this year because of Jackson Arnold, uh, the, the five-star that they brought in, who is a true freshman. But he'll push Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he, he has been 
electric uh, reportedly so far in the spring. And I don't think anybody anticipates that he'll win the job. But I do think if Gabriel doesn't get out of the gates hot, that there will be murmurs. And uh, and it could be that by the time OU and Texas get together, you know, Jackson Arnold's the guy. It's possible anyway. But certainly they feel better at the very least about the backup quarterback situation this year than they did last year. They've got question marks on the offensive side. You know, who's going to be the Marvin Mims that, that is their playmaker at wide receiver? Uh, they lost their top two running backs. They really like the guys they got, and they played well against Florida State in the bowl game. But who's going – Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, a couple of these highly touted freshmen, who's going to tote the rock? I would say the biggest difference that Brent Venables has made in his brief year plus at OU is there is undeniably more talent and depth on the defensive side of the ball than there has been in many, many years. They have recruited and got transfer portal pickups uh, on the defensive side of the ball at a much higher level under Brent Venables than they did under Lincoln Riley and even, frankly, in the last half of the Bob Stoops regime. Wow. Uh, So that's the side of the ball that Sooner fans are buzzing about uh, defensive line, linebacker, the secondary looks like it could be as good as it's been in a long, long time. So the, the question marks for the first time in a long time are more on the offensive side of the ball for the Sooner team going into a season than, they, than on the defensive side. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the final thing I have for you, and it goes back to this 2024 schedule, and it's because there was uh, not only the speculation – about who uh, down in these parts, who who the Longhorns would be playing in conference play, was that also the realization once it was announced it was going to be an eight game schedule that they were going to have to quickly move to find a fourth non conference opponent. They did. It'll be Louisiana Monroe, and uh, they're they're firmly entrenched in talking about playing only uh, you know uh, Division One FBS opponents, not FCS opponents. Uh, they haven't mm-hmm. played one since 2006. So so they added uh, UL Monroe to the other non-conference games this year, UTSA. And then, of course, there's a – by the way, there's a trip to Ann Arbor uh, next year for Texas. So th- so there's that in non-conference play. Um, and then and, – and so then I looked at Oklahoma's schedule, but I only see two non-conference games. I see Temple and I see yeah. Tulane. Have they, have they uh, contracted yet, or is there rumor about uh, who they – would try or are trying to get uh, uh, works in uh, progress to try to get the other two non-conference games set up? So the interesting thing is uh, Georgia was on next year's schedule. Ah. Uh, Oklahoma was supposed to host Georgia in 2023 with a return trip to Athens. I believe it was maybe 27, 28. It was a little later in the decade. But once this SEC uh, situation came to be and they're wouldn't be a return game, that series got canceled. You know, Georgia was not willing to come to Norman without for a non-conference game without Oklahoma coming back. And by that point, obviously, they would be in the same conference. So that created uh, an extra hole. You're right. Uh, Temple and Tulane are the two opponents right now. The other, They got two spots to fill. I have not seen anything beyond rumors as to who that could be. It's a pickle. I mean, that's that's just two seasons away, so pretty much, as you know, everybody's schedules are, are filled up. I, I think at least one of those will be at home, maybe both. 
And at least one of those is probably going to have to be a name, you know, maybe not, maybe not an elite name, but I think it's going to have to be a, a power five school. I don't think you can play four temples and two lanes, even though that uh, SEC schedule is going to be daunting. So it, it is a, uh, a topic of great speculation around here as to who Joe Castiglione is going to find to fill those spots. We were disappointed. I don't know how you guys felt. We were disappointed by the decision to only play eight conference games. Yep. And I think that will at some point change. Uh, it seems a little soft to me, but uh, I know there are reasons for it. And hopefully they will move that eventually to nine. But it does leave Oklahoma in a little bit of a pickle here for 2024. Well, here's the, and I think you probably knew where I was going with this because, you know, Texas and Texas A&M, as I always said, were like Ross and Rachel and friends. They were on a break and they needed, uh, you know, <laughs> they needed a, uh, a what's going to be a 13-year break before they start playing again. So uh, is Bedlam on a break or is it permanently gone or is there the possibility of a September Bedlam or is, or is that even a consideration given I know how this starts. I've, I've lived it down here where there's some hard feelings at the beginning of such things. Yeah. So is, is there any conversation about that possibly being down the road? I would never rule thing anything out with Joe. It would be a major shocker if OU and OSU found themselves on the 2024 schedule against each other. There has been a steady stream of hard feelings from every level of Oklahoma State since this announcement. President, athletic director, certainly Mike Gundy. Uh, Mike Gundy has clearly stated many times that Bedlam is dead. Oklahoma made their choice to go to the SEC. And as far as he's concerned, as long as he's the head coach, they'll never play again. So it would be a major stunner if that happened. I would say they're on a break because eventually it will. You know, it's it's just too logical. There's going to be too much of a fan cry for it in this state. It's a great rivalry. They'll play in every other sport for sure. You know, baseball, softball, basketball, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will play in every other sport every year, no doubt. But the football thing, I think, is going to have to simmer down a little bit. And I would say maybe after Mike Gundy isn't at Oklahoma State anymore, maybe after uh, four or five or more years pass that Oklahoma State will say, you know what, it wouldn't hurt our strength of schedule and our season ticket sales to be able to bring in Oklahoma. Certainly the Sooners, President Joe Harris and and Joe Castiglione have said from the get-go, we we would love to continue to play Bedlam uh, in the non-con just whenever Oklahoma State feels like they're ready, we're we're here. So I think it'll happen again, but OSU has very hard feelings. I'm not saying that they're not you know, deserved, but they have very hard feelings and it will be a while, I think, before they play each other again in football. Mm. And besides, you mentioned softball. I mean, Patty Gasso has got to take her team into a professional circuit now, right? I mean, there's nobody, nobody out there taking <laughs> them out anytime soon, right? Well, you know, I don't know. Jordy Ball just transferred to Nebraska. So uh, <laughs> that was a big blow. So it's hard to imagine that, I mean, the the year that they just had, the winning streak, 
the way they blew through this season is unprecedented. And uh, we'll see how long they can continue it. But it is a juggernaut. I mean, she has built an amazing program there. And uh, I don't doubt they'll be the favorites again going into next season. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm excited about, Craig, softball in the SEC. And for you and me, I'm, I'm as excited about baseball in the SEC as, as just about anything. I think that the uh, uh, environments that we are in for in the SEC – is something that as much as I love the sport of college baseball, my soul needs it, you know. Um, <laughs> it's fun going to Austin, and it's fun going to Lubbock, but there are some outposts in the Big 12 where they just don't give a rip about college baseball. Yep. And that will not be the case when we go to Ole Miss and Mississippi State and LSU and Tennessee and Florida and Bandy and on and on and on, Arkansas. So uh, baseball in the SEC is, is has me licking my chops. It's going to be tremendous. And counting, counting NCAA regionals or super, you've been to most of the SEC venues, haven't you? I think I've only been to four or five, but you've been to most, haven't you, uh, through your years of doing whether it was non-conference or regional or super regional, hadn't you? Are you just talking baseball? Or yeah, just, just baseball. Uh, just baseball. Yeah, just baseball. You've been, been to several, haven't you? Uh, We've been to Arkansas. We, yeah. we played LSU in a super. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have – they went to Mississippi State, but that was before my time. Mm-hmm. We have been to uh, – Ole Miss before Auburn your time. Basketball only. Yeah. Ole Miss before my time. Um, Florida, we played in the super last year. South Carolina – or in a regional. South Carolina, we played in a super. I wouldn't say most of them. I would uh. say maybe half. Okay. Uh, so – yeah, there was a few that they played right before. Well, Texas A&M, obviously, in Missouri. Yeah. But yeah, probably about half of them we've been to. Okay. All right. Hey, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Hey, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you around the corner. We get one, we get one more year in uh, in this Big 12 thing, and then it's on to that, that other, that brand-new destination. I appreciate you doing this, Tobe. You're the man, Craig. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Right. You bet. That's uh, Toby Rowland, play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma Sooners. 